so used to like clicking and the video starting and like the video didn't start and i'm like what's going on i don't know maybe you're maybe you getting up for your for your drink threw me off or something like that welcome to dynasty right. saturday night five we are live dynasty fantasy football show for the going for two live network please make sure you subscribe rate and review on the going for two live audio podcast feed if you're here on the youtubes or other video uh, situations do what you need to do here like subscribe comment bell for notifications uh feed the algorithm monster what it must be fed uh i'm brian ford here as always with my co-host josh walker josh how you doing good a lot better than last saturday uh, i know i put it out there that had some issues with my dog he's doing he's slowly getting better don't think it's going to be anything too crazy permanent so that's really good yeah, and a better was, headspace and happy to dive into this honestly yeah that stuff can be tough i was a little concerned like because the when the, yeah. the the back legs start to go that's kind of you know it was kind of how one of mine started to go and when you said neurological that's how one of my other ones started to go you know he had the stroke and his head tilt and i was like oh poor that's, guy you know that yeah. yeah tino now he's 14 years old and a schnauzer so he's kind of getting up there and now mm. he i think he will have a permanent head tilt where he's just always kind of looking sideways but now that he's doing better it's cute yeah. it was very sad at first but now it's cute so yeah it is right and and you know and let's be real right like you know they come to our lives uh and they're mean and they leave us because you know that's that's yep. not, that's mean you're not supposed to do that yeah, no, you're supposed that to live is. forever <laughs> yep but uh but yeah we uh we give them uh we give them hopefully great lives while we can uh, as i get older i think what i'm gonna do is when i adopt i'm gonna adopt like middle age and um, you know, and, uh, and land, and, you know, just kind of land the plane with them, you know, the last five or seven years of their life, you know, get some good years, but, um, you know, cause they're, but the older guys are harder to adopt. I adopted these guys when they're like seven and eight or no, six and seven. And we're, we're eight and nine now. So, you know, all right. Well, if we haven't lost, uh, <laughs> the cat lovers or, 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 or even football lovers, uh, with all the dog talk, uh, we are, uh, a show that uses lists of five to talk about Dynasty Fantasy Football, hence the, the title Dynasty Saturday Night Five. Uh, and today's episode, tonight's episode, is going to be like a lot of folks that you're uh, seeing this week in the content, and that is early rookie takes, right? Um, you know, and, and in fact, my, my early rookie takes tonight would probably be a little different uh, from what they were if we had, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, enjoyed uh, 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 our live show last week if we didn't have a, if we didn't have the the emergency so you're getting a, a fresher fresher update uh this week anything changing about your approach to how you're looking at rookies um this year um as opposed to in the past yeah the the biggest thing i notice is uh and i know you're going to talk about it a little bit more in depth is landing spot i'm going to pay a lot more attention to that because i think that i underestimated the role that is uh that, that played this year with rookies and especially if you, I'm going to talk about, um, see, I'm going to really pay attention to the landing spot. And that's really when the changes are probably going to happen uh, in my rankings. There's two things. There's the combine, see how people run and test, and then obviously the draft. And besides that, I'm not going to tinker with it too much. I'm not going to get cute with it. I'm just going to wait until I see results. 
I think. Hold on, someone's at my door. Give me just a second. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Every few hours, uh, I, I tinker, which is probably uh, probably a little too uh, obsessive. As far as um, this year for me, um, in the last couple of years, I've been able to start early uh, in the process, like before Christmas, uh, and go deeper. Um, the way that my schedule has worked the last couple of years, it's a little more flexible. Uh, so I can squeeze in uh, content here and there, you know, like your 20 minute podcast on a dog walk, you know, that's that's research for rookies. Right. And so but I also am trying to kind of not, you know, with the autistic brain and everything, you know, I have to listen to every single podcast about every single rookie all the time everywhere and take notes and all that that can get a little whatever. So I'm trying to reach a, a happy medium this year because because uh, last last year I really burnt myself out, you know, <laughs> and it, and, and yeah. it just really, really messed with uh, my rest and, and, and my health and, and all that. So. Uh, so, yeah, so trying to trying to keep it a little. Uh, but but as far as like process goes, you know, I would say that uh, I don't consider myself the talent evaluator that a lot of folks do. Um, I certainly watch film. I was just watching um, Dylan Johnson against Michigan, you know, uh, on the Dynasty Nerds uh, film room. Shout out to them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I will look at numbers and, and, and that sort of thing and dive into that. You know, I have subscriptions to places. Uh, I, I do have a subscription to one place that kind of pulls all the, the existing numbers together and kind of, you know, highlights things and all. So, you know, it's, it's definitely more of like a research-based thing, you know, uh, definitely more of like a, seeing what the streets are saying kind of thing I, the thing is in, in rookie season like how can i put it um a lot of people in the fantasy community want to want to be and that's fine and that's fine they want to be the person who i'm going to watch film i'm going to chart it i'm going to do a, a film grade on them and i'm going to tell you how talented this person is and all that and it's like for me i do a little of that but my job in my head isn't that it's taking what we know about the the talent, thinking about market, thinking about draft capital, thinking about how those skill sets transfer into fantasy and how will I take them in a rookie draft, right? Like, and to me, that's my job. And that's kind of what I, what I try to do. I just want to check in real quick. Uh, Julia, NBA Riggs, haven't seen you in a bit. Howdy, Brian and Josh. Happy Saturday to both of you. And are we both ready for the puppy bowl tomorrow? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I, I watch at least a little bit of the puppy bowl every year. Um, these guys kind of don't really notice. They kind of look and it's like, ah. and my my older dogs, they would watch a little bit more and kind of bark at it uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I, I love puppy bowl. Let's, let's go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, my dogs are, and I was just talking about how much I love my dogs, but I think they're too stupid to realize what's going on. They don't care about anything I ever watch on the TV. So I don't know if they just don't pick up what's going on or they just don't care. But yeah, I love watching it though. And we it's got a, uh, Julia a checking change. in asking you how you feel about uh, Raheem Morris and, and all that going down. Cause you're a Falcons fan. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually very happy. It wasn't exactly who I wanted. I wanted Slowick or Johnson, but I really don't blame them for uh, taking the route they did, given the way that worked out for the enemy. But I like Raheem Morris. I think he's going to bring a good attitude change. I think he's going to hire the right people at the coordinator positions to really bring out the best uh, in the offense. And he did that already hiring the uh, Rams passing coordinator. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm actually really excited about this season. 
Yeah, I like I, I know it. I know it's hard to for some people to say, "Well, some Rams passing court." It's a really good sign because those two work together. The coordinator worked under McVay. We like them what McVay's doing with the offense, and it means that we're gonna have someone who is competent and is innovative and uh, will know how to use the players. And that's that's all we ever that's all we ever really wanted. And and so I you know wheels up on Bijan Pitts and and Drake London. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, this show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all. Player pickums, DFS. You can go on there now and make do some player pickums for. I heard there's a football game tomorrow, uh, and they got me. Big board and little board have already started as far as uh, 2024 football uh, best ball drafts, and I have a few going there, deposited a little bit of money and trying to see what the market says uh, this early in the process. They're not just football. they got every major sport. Sign up with our promo code GF2 if you go to underdog.com or – Go to the Underdog app uh, and enter the promo code GF2. If you are a new account, they will match your deposit of up to $100. Uh, if you're looking here on the videos, we have a nice shiny QR code for you. Uh, you can scan that. Uh, and it'll take you right to, uh, right to Underdog and use the promo code GF2. Make your first deposit up to $100 of that first deposit will be matched by underdog and uh yeah deposit start playing start winning who knows maybe you'll be in the underdog drafts best ball draft streets with me all right uh time to get on with our main topic of the show which of course is our early rookie takes uh facebook user checking in with the wave and a smiley face i for some reason i think facebook doesn't like it the, the names don't translate the way the two technologies interact so a lot of people on facebook end up just being facebook user but hi facebook user uh yeah all right so uh josh uh, kick us off with your uh, your first early rookie take all right so um i did out of my five topics i did four players that i kind of just want to highlight guys i like uh, and the other one's just kind of a point so i'll start off with uh someone i wrote up a blurb for on going for two.com and a little rookie mock draft first round we did and it's troy franklin uh, I have him ranked as the number eight uh, rookie overall, and that puts him at wide receiver four. I think that's a little bit higher than others. A lot of people have him at wide receiver six to eight. Um, some of the things I like about him, I think he has a unique blend of size and speed. He's six three and ha- and will likely run in the four three range. Uh, and like I said, given being six three, he's a really fluid route runner. He doesn't slow down when he makes breaks, and he's smooth in and out of his cuts. Uh, and he does a really good job of working back to the ball on out routes, crossing routes, or curls where he needs to come back to the quarterback to keep the defender from getting his hand in there. And his production in college was elite. He had 15, 15% of his receptions went for touchdowns, and he had 32% of Oregon's receiving yards at the age of 20. And even in uh, at 19 in 2022, he led the league in receiving. And I got that stat from Davis Maddock uh, on X. And I just think he has the ability to – a game-changing ability to take a slant or a medium cross and hit his 4-3 speed and take it for a touchdown. Uh, he does have a few cons, though. Uh, he could improve on tracking deep balls, running under the ball, and uh, making it easier for his quarterback. And he's he's a little slim on his frame, so he's not the best run blocker right now, but you could probably improve on that. Um, so, yeah, those are the things I like about him. I think he's going to be a really good steal for a team in the late first round. 
and I think he's going to be uh, given where he's going. I think he's going to bring pretty good value at the end of the first and rookie drafts too. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. I like Franklin. I was a little surprised to hear you say that uh, folks had him wide receiver uh, six to eight. Uh, I was listening to an ESPN first draft podcast that it was uh, to be fair a little a little while ago, ten days ago or so, two to, two weeks ago, and he was outside their top ten. And I was like, what the hell's going on? This is like egregious, right? And uh, for for me, he's he's five at at the moment, but I'm starting just in this last couple days or so starting to make my tears as things get a little more, I don't want to say clear because, you know, it's February and things are murky, but just kind of the way that I'm seeing things. And uh, for me, I have him worthy and Brian Thomas in that, in that next tier of like of the next three wide receivers. And, and I'd be comfortable with, with really any of them, uh, you know, 108 to 112 in, in there, you know, uh, I, I like all of them. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's there's some people who push back on Franklin about like the physicality and the hands. Um, yeah. You know, and I think I think sometimes that depends on you know the bar you're using or like uh, the tape you're watching, because like there are people who will defend that and show how the physicality and stuff improved in in 2023. I think overall, as you're saying, when you look at this wide receiver landscape and you're looking at after after the the big three you know who are the guys that we're going to target i think he's definitely a guy with great upside you know to to target um i took him in the in another mock that um i did with the sgpn folks yeah i mean you know i i think when we're thinking about like i don't know range of outcomes or or player comparisons or, or or things like that um like he's um like I don't want to say Jordan Addison because he's taller, he's six three, and he's, oh. he's he- and he's heavier, but like and he's got more. I think more more of a pronounced deep game, but I think that kind of explosion as a wide receiver two for an NFL team, but that will still be more fantasy relevant than some NFL teams wide receiver ones. I like him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was as you were before you said Jordan Addison. I was kind of thinking about that. He's like he does remind me of Jordan Addison, but I think he has a little bit more upside because he's taller and I think he has more flat line speed and uh, yards after the catch ability than Addison does. But they had some similar flaws, and I think he's even a little bit better at route running than Addison was too. Given his size, he can he can get separation pretty well. You're going to hear a lot too about like um, versus press coverage, right? And it's like every year we could load up our spreadsheet and without even watching wide receivers, just load in in one column struggles against press coverage. And then it's probably easier to take out the ones that don't. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think we have to look at this in a new light. Right. I mean, I think one of the things that because of my my landing spot mantra is based on changes in the NFL, uh, at least partially based on that. And when you look at changes, like 70% of plays are zone coverage, right? And even a guy like Franklin, you have to respect his deep game so much. How much press is he going to get? Like, So to me, does that flaw matter as much these days? No. I mean, certainly you want a guy who can win as many ways as possible, you know, and I think the, the top three kind of, you know, check a lot of those boxes. But I'm not... I don't if that's your flaw and that's probably the thing that's going to happen to you least in the NFL like do I do I care much about that 
it comes down to you want a guy that can do everything else or do you want a guy like George Pickens and Gabe Davis who can beat the press coverage, but once they get past that, like what are they going to do with it? Probably not much because they're that's all they can do. Not everyone's like that, but I do think you kind of got to pick and choose and just be like, look, this might be kind of an issue, but I think it's not going to stop him from being a productive wide receiver, like you say, given the amount of zone teams play. By the way, do we need to have an intervention for you? You have a blue check now, and you just called Twitter X a few minutes ago. What's happening to Josh Walker? <laughs> uh, you know, I hit I hit my thirties, and I just completely lost all my values. <laughs> petty, petty bourgeois, <laughs> Josh Walker. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I'll, I guess I'll go with uh, with um, I guess my my wide receiver my my, my wide receiver take, and and that's more of a kind of a landscape of the position, right? Um, I'm seeing a log jam after the first, like maybe seven or eight guys. Like we've, I think we've got a confident top three with, for those who may not know, or, or you know, it's, we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and uh, neighbors and, and Adunze. My next three of, of Worthy, Franklin and, and Thomas, for me, solidly is that next tier. My next guy is Lad McConkey. I think, he can flirt with that next tier, but doesn't have that that ceiling that that next that that um, you know uh, tier above him has. And in recent days, I've kind of said, you know what, I'm going to throw in that tier too. Um, well, in that tier as well, because uh, it's the third tier. Uh, Lad McConkey, it's Adonai Mitchell and and, and Roman Wilson, because Roman Wilson is getting a lot of like real confident. He's going to get drafted day two buzz uh, with his performance at the Senior Bowl. And so for me, it's kind of the Wild West after that first seven or eight, right? And it's kind of like pick your flavor. You know, do you have confidence in the big guys like Xavier Leggett and Keon Coleman? Do you like the yak upside, you know, in the right scheme of a guy like Corley or Polk? Um, uh, Corley, uh, do you like, uh, you know, the solid floor of a Jalen Polk? Are you a fan of Jacob Cowan, strong analytics and, you know, uh, you know, kind of tailed off a little bit in 2023, but, you know, Tet McMillan was rising there in Arizona. Do you like the flashes at the senior bowl of guys like Ricky Pearsall, Jaquan Jackson? You know, do you like uh, Malik Washington, who's growing on people after shining at the Shrine Bowl? Um, you know, Tez Walker has dropped, but, you know, is certainly viable as far as, you know, NFL draft goes. So to me, I kind of see a couple buckets that I'm confident in and then a lot of, a lot of fluidity uh, at the wide receiver position. And the one guy I think I want to highlight uh, uh, out of all this would be, would be Roman Wilson. Um, and we're talking 5'10", five, five, 186. So the size is fine, right? We're not talking like a 165-pound slot guy. We're talking uh, speed, hands, grit, quicks. We're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, I want to say suffered, but uh, his production was dampened by being in the Michigan offense. And then <clears throat> so he was able to show a, a lot of folks at the Senior Bowl what he really had, you know, um, and uh, I, I think he can be he's got enough size and quicks to, to be a target in close to in the red zone, which not a lot of, you know, uh, smaller slot guys can be. Uh, he's not, you know, super strong. He's not super fast. He's not, you know, a, a, a deep threat. But when we think about looking at these rookies through the lens of the way the NFL is played today, 
a guy like Roman Wilson is going to get day two tap day two capital and and is therefore a riser in my rankings. And I have him at wide receiver nine and rookie thirteen overall in superflex. So, I mean, I like him a lot. So that's kind of my like my wide receiver landscape. And the guy to highlight that is is Roman Wilson. I like that. I think he's definitely got some room to rise in people's rankings. I have him at 10th for wide receivers behind Adonai Mitchell and in front of Brendan Rice. Um, he's someone that I haven't really gotten a chance to watch much tape of, so I'm def- he's definitely one of the ones on the to-do list. I'm interested to see it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't have the same top three as you. I, I don't have Rome in the top three. I have Thomas. Brian Thomas is the third mm. wide receiver. Which is it's still early. A lot can change, but I just... Jamie uh, showing some love for for Brian Thomas as well. Yep. Has him four over over Franklin. Tell me why you like Thomas more than Adunze. I don't. I don't think I've seen anybody anybody do that. There are some there are some charts and metrics I saw that kind of soured me on Roma Adunze, and I think he kind of benefited from that offense. I just think there's more bottom out potential. Like he might have a higher ceiling, but I also think he has a lower floor. And I just. I need to see more. I want to see how he tests at the combine. Mm. I don't think he's like super athletic and really going to crush in any one category. Um, so I'm just kind of excited to see. I haven't, like I said, this is my first take. Things could change, but sure. I just think yeah. Brian Thomas is more all around. And honestly, I just trust wide receivers out of LSU now, as I'll talk about a little bit later. I think they're doing a really good job of coaching wide receivers and getting the most out of them for the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly there's some, you know, I can I can get on board with some of that, especially the idea of there are some folks who say, well, you know, Washington ran a pro style offense. He had Jalen Polk there to um, to keep the defense's attention and um, was able to then be the type of vertical threat that Michael Penix likes to throw to, you know, you know, it, but also kind of, you know, Thomas kind of benefited from neighbors being there too. My, my concern with Thomas is I, so I see him as um, this class, the wide receiver class has more bigs in it than, than, than we had last year. Last year, the guy, the guys were, were smaller. And the question now is in the new NFL, can these bigs win in the way that is going to, is going to differentiate them from other bigs? Wilson, uh, Wilson Thomas to me has the combination of bigs, polish, smarts, fluidity to do it, but we haven't seen enough in the short and intermediate, I think, on tape to know that that he's more than taking the top off of like he'll he'll moss motherfuckers. Like I have yeah. a lot more confidence in him going deep than I do with Tez Walker, but I don't know that we've seen enough in the short and intermediate, which is where the NFL is played, to 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 love him as much as some other people do. I don't know. That's just my take on it. I've I've seen a few a few clips of Taysom where he on one cut routes like slants or in routes, he can be kind of snappy in his route running and he can get some separation there, but it does need to be improved because it's not every play. So I think that ability is there. And like we said earlier, talking about press coverage, he can he can beat press coverage and get behind it. A defender pretty easily mm-hmm. uh so i think that's a plus and i think he can definitely improve on the rest like intermediate and short route running with some good coaching right on and your next rookie take all right i've been waiting to this is the guy i'm the highest on compared to consensus right now and i truly feel people will catch up to me it's my favorite running back for my favorite team oh no 
Audric Estime, look, this is part me being a homer, but also there are stats to back it up. This dude was is the best running back I've seen come out of Notre Dame. He's a decent bit better coming out of college than I thought Kyron Williams was. And, I mean, I have him ranked at 15 overall, and he's my RB2 right now. But that is a very tight group of running backs, and a lot can change. Kind of like that 20 to 32 in wide receivers, how it's very fluid, things can change. But right now I have him at running back two. And some of the reasons I do is he's a physical specimen. I mean, the dude's 5'11", 227, and he's jacked. And he's 20 years old. He has a really good leg churn. And once he gets going, he's really hard to bring down one-on-one, uh, especially once he hits the hole and finds his lane and gets his eyes set on the end zone. And for his size, he's a decent receiving back. He's not like a complete – you got to take him off the field on third down because, you know, he's not going to go out there and run the right route or make a simple catch. And his main strength is one-cut running, like making a cut and then hitting the hole with acceleration, speed, and force. And he can make someone miss in the backfield. I've seen multiple times someone gets penetration. He makes a miss, and then he gashes the defense for a 15-yard gain. Um, his For his size, being 227, his lateral agility is really good. He's pretty elusive for a guy his size. And I think that's highlighted. He was last year in college. He was first in yards per carry at 6.2. And for his whole career in college, he averaged over four yards per uh, carry after contact. And just to highlight his last 25 games, he really hit a stride. He rushed for 2,538 yards and 30 touchdowns in his last 25 games in college. So I think he's like the perfect running back a team's going to look for on first and second downs, and you don't have to take off the field on third downs. Now, I'm not going to act like he doesn't have cons because sometimes he's overly patient, can lack creativity when there's no hole to run through. Sometimes he'll just kind of sit there, wait for something to open up, and let you know defenders from the edge come and blow the play up. And while he is solid in the past game, he could improve his route running a little bit. His hands are fine, but I think that's just for screens and little, you know, dump passes. Mm-hmm. And he's aggressive in pass protection. Like, he's not afraid to stick his shoulder into a rushing defensive uh, defensive lineman or linebacker, but I think he might struggle a little bit against DBs and quicker edge rushers who can not just run straight but use moves to get around him. So I think he needs to improve that a little bit. But I think once he runs at the combine, hopefully he doesn't fall flat like Kyron did. I think he's going to have a really good 40 for his size. And I've seen people talk about how he needs to slim down. I completely disagree. I respect people's opinions that say that. But I think his unique size and speed and agility is what makes him who he is. And I don't think he'd be able to have the yards after contact if he slimmed down too much. He is interesting. And I I think it's going to be part of – I, I might as well, at least in, in a minute or so, uh, move into move into my my running back take because he's definitely a, a a big part of that because it's sort of like this fulcrum of like where is the turning point of where does my huge tier of like I don't know you know like I love all these RBs or or at least I like them equally you know he's kind of in, in like at that point um, at the end of that tier for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, uh, the knocks on his elusiveness and, uh, and speed, you know, uh, are, are, you know, uh, I think valid. Um, you know, I, I think if, when you qualify it with for his size, sure. But, uh, you know, in the end, when these NFL guys are bigger, faster, quicker, stronger that you're going up against a defense, you know, 
you know, uh, you know, I, I saw I, the the people I saw break his tape down the mo- most recently were trying to essentially show how the PFF elusiveness grades are too high for him, uh, and uh, and they're they're inflated because they just didn't didn't see it on on, on tape. But, so I definitely am lower on him than you. Like he's he's my RB eight at the moment, and. So I guess I might as well go into my next take, which is the RB take. Uh, and that is um, we don't have anybody in this class that I'm liking as much as I liked Brees, Bijan, Gibbs, maybe even Walker, maybe even Charbs um, from the last couple of years. But we've got about six to ten guys <laughs> who could all at some, you know, end up being the RB one in this class. And because of the combination of the changing in an RB at the NFL with a class that is flat at the top, but not very good at the top, and a sneaky good free agent class of of running backs, we're looking at draft capital landing spot meaning so much right now for this RB class, right? So I would, I would, I guess my take is to caution anybody against having really strong RB takes right now. Um, we got the combine, you know, when the and we've got going to have the underclassmen enter the chat now that the Senior Bowl is over. You know, we obviously have have the draft and and that sort of thing, and it's going to be about fit and it's going to be about role and 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 that sort of thing and. I'm looking at this, you know, tier of, you know, six to 10 running backs that could arguably be, be the RB one. And, and I, I think to myself, like, what are the paths for their success? Right. And when I start thinking about the ways that these guys can win, and I start thinking about uh, upside and ceiling and things like that, my question for my running backs is, is Audric Estime You know, and I know how you're going to answer this, but I'm saying out loud. Um, it, does he belong up there with other big, big guys with flaws like Braylon Allen and Trey Benson, or does he belong with, you know, a guy who's a th- another thumper, an underrated receiver, but I think a tier below those guys with Ray Davis. Like Audrey, right now, like Audric Estime is like the uh, the Estime line. Like, where does he where does he fit? Is he up there with my big huge tier of seven guys who I think could all be RB ones, or is he down with my Ray Davis, my Isaiah Davis, and my Shipley? Right now, he's he's in the he's in that he's at the top of that next tier down. I think he's gonna be in the NFL a short yardage and a goal line guy. He's got upside for being a, a you know, a, a two down guy, early down guy. I don't know that he has the upside for a two down guy that I see in Braylon Allen and Trey Benson. And so maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm thinking of making like a mini tier right now of like the, the big bruisers who I see is less likely to have three down upside. And, you know, than some other guys, being, um, you know, Braylon, Trey Benson, Audric Estime, and Ray Davis. I think that should be my tier, maybe like the bottom of my top tier and the top of my second tier as like the big bruisers with limited third down upside. 
but even then he's still going to be eight and he's still going to be much lower than, than the way you have him ranked. But again, running back is so fluid. If you're in mocks right now, if you're looking at rankings, basically everybody's just kind of waiting to find out more information on the running backs. So the entire, you know, 12 picks of the, of a first round super flex mock are not, are, are, are non running backs. Right. And then you start seeing them fire off in the second. Cause people are like, all right, I might as well, might as well take a shot on, on the running backs. Now, inevitably one or two of them is going to float up. One or two of them is going to float down, but I still think the running second round will be a running back heavy round. The guy I wanted to highlight with this particular take though, was Marshawn Lloyd as a guy who he's my running back two for now, only because if I look at physical skills and ceiling of the guys, of these guys, he's the guy who a year from now, I I think it has the best chance of being like, wow, he's like an explosive guy doing, you know, good fantasy production with somewhat of a three down role on a team, right? I don't think he is the safest by any means. Because he's got a lot of bust to that boom game. You know, he's kind of like Ken Walker-ish in that way, except the better pass catcher. Like, play to play. It's not great. Like, you see him make some dumb plays. But, like, I don't know. So, that's so that's my take on, on the RBs. Yeah. I think this running back class is going to be what we hoped for from the second round in last year's running back classes. Because guys like Bigsby, even Charbonnet was disappointing. And we expected more output in their rookie year. But I think that has a little bit more to do with the way the NFL is shifting into easing running backs into the, you know, into the playbook and uh, playing time. But I, it did hurt me to hear you put Estime and Shipley in the same tier. That kind of hurt a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but I don't blame you. He, you know, he's not nobody's perfect. This I have my first tier is six players, and I have Lloyd in that first six, and those could, you know, fluctuate any which way given. So. It's very fluid right now. Um, yeah, so I'm going to jump to another wide receiver who you kind of briefly mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It's Lad McConkey. Yeah. And Cooper Cup. You, you mean Cooper Cup. You mean Amon Ross St. Brown. You mean White Lightning. Run I mean LMC. Short Adam, short Adam Thielen is what I mean. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I got – I got the pleasure of living in Athens, Georgia for the last like six, seven years. He's um, saying pleasure very I, loosely, folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm just trying to be positive here. Um, but yeah, I got to watch a lot of UGA games. They were on every time and I got to go to some because I live three miles from the campus. Um, and it seemed like every time Georgia needed a big catch, needed a big third down conversion, Lad McConkey was wide open. No one around him. I never understood how he did it until I uh, watched the senior bowl. Cause you know, sometimes TV, you don't always get to see receivers running routes like you do when you watch prime, you know, the prime uh, vision thing, but I had McConkey ranked 12th overall. He's my wide receiver eight. Uh, like you said, he's in, I think two tiers below the top, but he's the top of that tier. And uh, I think not talking complete skill set, but he's this year's Tank Dell on the fact that he wasn't on too many guys' radar, and then he went in the Senior Bowl, and literally almost every single route he ran against some of the better DBs, he was wide open. He uses his body and knows when to attack their backside to create separation, and I think he's the best pure route runner in this class. Um, 
And for you know, he's kind of short. He's five eleven. He doesn't have a good vertical, so he's not really good at going up to get the ball, especially against taller DBs. But he's really good at tracking the ball and running under it on deep throws. Uh, that's something you can't. It's hard to teach. And given his size, he's a really good blocker. So I don't think he's going to hurt you while he's out there. He's going to be a good blocker in the run game, especially from the slot position for outside runs. Um, and like I said earlier, briefly mentioned, I could see him being kind of like an Adam Thielen type in the fact that he will be a quarterback's best friend, especially on like third and fives when you need a big down. He's going to get open, especially in zone. He's going to know where to go, and I think that's going to keep him on the field. I do think his upside's kind of capped. He doesn't really have very good yards after catch ability. Sometimes he seems a little uncomfortable in that situation. Um, he's not super fast, so I do think his upside is kind of limited, but I think he also has a really high floor, and he's going to be one of the safer options at receiver, especially in the second round of a rookie draft. So I really like him. He's You can't argue with the Tate. He made some people look silly in the senior bowl. Yeah, you know, I would, I'm definitely on board pretty much, you know, with, with all, all you said. Um, I heard about him a little bit earlier, I guess, because – I was dabbling in like, you know, uh, C2C and, and college fantasy football. And, uh, you know, something to keep in mind with Ladd is <clears throat> the Georgia offense loves to run and they like to throw it to Brock Bowers. So, you know, when you look at like when you're looking at, at his overall production and things like that, keep those things in mind. Right. Uh, when you're looking at, at that. But, yeah, you know, uh, both from a positive and weakness side, I agree with pretty much uh, with, with all you said. One thing to add that. The uh, Brandon Lejeune flagged. Um, he's got hands, but 11% drop rate in 2022. So I, I think he cleaned that up a, a little bit in, in 2023. Those senior bold one-on-one drills heavily favor wide receivers. So I don't want to like get too you know much of, but I think he confirmed for people that he is a very quick guy who can separate, who can who can run good routes, uh, and and has good hands and. When we when we come when we think about this idea of how the NFL is getting played these days, and when we think about playing dynasty and PPR, right? He's the guy that that you know we're saying, yeah, like he's a riser. We we like him. For me, he's yeah. wide receiver seven. You know, I think I have him eleven or twelve overall in my superflex at the moment. I don't think that's going to change too much. I think if one or two, if one running back kind of floats up into that first round. I think it would probably knock out for me, you know, my 12, which is Adonai Mitchell. It wouldn't knock out Ladd. I think he's going to be solidly in there. I agree that, like, traits, skills-wise, you know, like, traits, not skills. Uh, you know, yeah, I think the, I think what, what we're seeing is is what you're going to get, right? Like, I don't think that we're going to – he's yeah. going to get much more than that. Um, so maybe you're going to say he has a lower ceiling and upside – than guys like, you know, especially because he's winning in shorter areas than yeah. guys like, you know, Worthy and Franklin and, and Thomas. But, but yeah, I mean, if you're in that, you know, that zone of like 111 and you haven't traded back or across or up or anything like that, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't go wrong with, with Lad McConkey. I, I like me some, some run LMC. That's yeah, my name and for it. I, and I'm hoping it sticks. Hey, I'm, I'll try and make it stick. And when I dig just compare, well, it, you know, with your not- blue check. It might stick better. Look, now. I'm I'm testing it out. I'm seeing if anything changes. It's a short term thing. Nothing much has changed actually, so I'm probably going to cancel it. But I'm I I will say when I mentioned Tank Dell and him the same name, he does not have 
top 12 dynasty wide receiver upside that Tank Dell does. I just meant like Tank Dell was overlooked by a lot of people yeah. until the senior bowl when he kind of got some eyes on a separation. And, so I just want to be clear on that for people misconstrue yeah. that and saying. Yeah, and he's 20 pounds heavier than Tank Dell. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, like he definitely is different. But it's the same in that regard, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and he and Tank Dell both left the senior bowl early. Like, all right, I showed what I need yeah. to show. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I respect and, that. That's a baller move. Yeah. Um, I, so I guess I guess that'll – I guess that'll take me to my, you know, my my next take, which is about landing spot and situation mattering. So my mantra this offseason is that landing spot and situation matter more than they used to, right? And, and especially for guys that are after the first tier or two, yeah. you know, where we're where we're pretty confident those guys are going to be pretty good no matter what. These other guys, what's the path to success? And landing spot means a lot. Now, folks like my partner on my other show, Dynasty Fever, uh, Jesse Schneeman, he'll push back and say, we're very bad as a community at predicting what's going to happen in these situations. And, and, you know, and I think he's he's right in the sense that we're bad. I don't know about very bad, but we're bad. But I think we're getting better. And I think we have no choice but to try uh, because we've seen coaching, scheme, landing spot, situation really matter and make or break the first one or two years of fantasy football careers recently, guys like Kyron and Tank Dell and, and Puka come to mind, you know, right off the bat in that in that scenario. And therefore, it's going to make or break their value in Dynasty and that sort of thing. So I think we have no choice but to try, right? Um, now, another knock on my take that you know another you know plus for jesse's take is that i forgot to mention the other night on dynasty fever there are two offensive coordinators right now in the nfl who are the the the, the longest tenured offensive coordinators they were hired in 2022 Which speaks to what Adam Harstead says, and that is situation changes faster than talent, which is another mantra which I believe, right? Situation will change faster than talent. So I'm not saying that landing spot matters more than talent. I'm saying there are certain cases where we have to weight it and where we have to say this is a good fit or a bad fit, where a scheme fit, a team fit is going to make or break a guy. And so the guy I want to bring up to highlight this point is Malachi Corley. Uh, a guy who is the yak king, right? Um, you know, and he went to the senior bowl and he showed us a little bit more with the route running uh, th than we knew because we wanted to see him run a route that was more than you know five or 10 yards, especially, yeah. you know, because his ADOT is low. Now, low ADOT doesn't sink somebody. It can work for you. But it also, if that's it, then you're kind of limiting the ways in which you can win, right? And manufactured touches don't, and gadgety stuff doesn't mean as bad as it used to because of the changes in the NFL, but it also limits the ways in which you can win. And if you're getting all this rack and yak in the Mac, you know, as a senior too, then also, you know, I think we have to be a little bit skeptical, but on the positive side, great build, great, you know, Great right after the catch, you know, making people miss and breaking tackles. 
uh, and you know, from all accounts, a leader and a hard worker and, and someone you're going to want on your team. The question is going to be, where does he land? Does Malachi Corley land with a coach and a staff and a team that we think can develop him and use him well and use him properly? Or does he end up somewhere where it's like, ooh, I don't know. You know, I don't know that I trust that coach to do well. I don't know that I have off the top of my head an example of either, but let's say he went to the Chiefs. I'm intrigued, right? As much as they already have Rasheed Rice doing some of that, Rasheed Rice is doing that because Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony couldn't. Yeah. Rasheed Rice was more of a downfield guy. Oh, he was mixed, but he was more of a downfield guy yeah. in college than he's shown in the NFL. He's what the and the great thing about Rice that you like is that that offense makes you learn all three wide receiver positions. And in that process of learning all three, he's on the field and doing well. He's not getting confused, you know, like you could be going from SMU to the Andy Reid offense. And He's playing a role that wasn't really the role he played in college and doing really well at it, right? So if they, yeah. so if the Chiefs drafted Corley, they could kind of make Corley Rice and then make Rice more versatile. I'd be very intrigued for both of them. If he went to – let me pull up the draft order here. If he went to the Giants, I don't know, right? Like – we got Wandell there. I was just going to say, it's like, a Daniel team of It's kind, kind of meh, right? Like, uh, you know, if he went to uh, Pittsburgh with Arthur Smith, right? Now, listen, he could be Corderell Patterson, which Arthur Smith really loves. But I also, I like Arthur Smith as a designer of an offense. I don't know that I like him as a person who is going to, Use guys right and get the most out of guys. Like, I don't. I don't know that I that I that I trust that. Although without the head coaching responsibilities, he may do what he did in Tennessee, which was pretty good. You know, uh, I don't know who the coordinators are in Tampa. Right, Dave Canales. Uh, you know, left the quarterback guru. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be there. Right, so you know, it's kind just kind of off the top of my head looking at the draft order. You know, those are things that stand out to me where he's going to be an example of my mantra of landing spots going to matter a lot. So, there you go. Yeah, I can see that. And just to touch on the landing spot, I've seen a lot of 49ers fans wanting Corley, wanting them to draft Corley. A lot of, uh, and I thought that was a pretty interesting fit, given that they already got Debo and Ayuk who can do, they can pretty much ball at any level. Uh but I'm not sure if that'd be a good fit. What I really just talked about landing spots. I want to see Xavier Worthy go to the Chiefs. I think that would be a really fun fit. Mm. I think he could be what they wanted out of Sky Moore. And then that could also still open it up for Rishi Rice to not have to do that. Um, and one more point on Arthur Smith. I think Kurt Warner did a pretty good breakdown of Arthur Smith. And I think he's good at coordinating a run game. But I don't think he's very good at coordinating a pass game. Okay. There were a lot of plays where two receivers were just in the same spot and one person could defend that. And there's Kurt Warner actually did a really good breakdown on uh, online and he discussed how the scheming in the pass game was flawed, but it was really good in the run game. So, hey, Darnell Washington and Najee Harris are going to eat this next year. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about my RB1 right now. 
And it's just because I could see him being a three down back. It's Bucky Irving. Um, I lost my tab. There we go. Yeah, I have him ranked 14th overall, RB1. And like I just said, I think he's, I think he can easily come in and be a three down back. Uh, like estimate, he's hyper efficient, but he has better speed and can turn any run into a touchdown. He's fast and decisive when figuring out which hole to hit or uh, where to take a play to get the most out of it. And his contact balance is elite. He was one of the top runners in college this year with Trey Benson on broken tackles and forced missed tackles per run. Um, and actually, I found a stat on uh, Twitter. Forced missed tackles per carry is .359, which is just behind Bijan and Trey Benson. And those are the highest two coming out of college since they've been tracking that stat. Um, so I think he's really good at getting to the edge breaking tackles and uh, getting at least five, six yards of carry. And he's a three down back and he's pretty good route runner and has decent hands. And speaking of landing spots, I would love, like I would give a kidney to see Bucky Irving go to the Texans. They run a, they run a zone scheme. And I think that would just break fantasy having CJ Stroud, Nico, Tank Dell and Bucky Irving, a uh, really good young core. So that's where I would like to see him go. He does have some flaws. Um, his pass protection isn't great. That'd be the one thing that'd keep him off the field on certain third downs. And once he hits his top speed, he doesn't really have good agility Yeah. once he's going down the field. He's kind of just a straight line runner, but he's really fast. So I would like to see him, once someone runs him down, to be able to just make a quick move without losing too much speed to uh, finish the play. But those are the main cons. I haven't really watched a ton of film on him, but the metrics and the analytics behind him are very impressive. So for right now... Until we find out where he goes, he's my RB1, but he's in that tier of six where anyone could – he could move down to five or six at just the drop of a dime. So, for now, that's where I got him. I really like him. I think he'll fit really well into the uh, the current NFL landscape. Yeah. Uh, you know I love me some Bucky. He's also my RB1. I don't expect him to finish as my RB1, right? So, he's my RB1 right now because I am the most confident that that skill set will translate into – today's NFL and fantasy, right? I'm not saying he's Jameer Gibbs, but I'm saying a Jameer Gibbs mold of a, the type of running back that that, that uh, he is. Uh, you know, James Cook, right? Better than Gainwell and Gibson, not as good as Jameer Gibbs, right? <clears throat> I don't necessarily see him as like a true three-down guy, but... I don't know that he that you can't use him on certain you know situations. Uh, he's not really a between the tackles guy, so he's probably going to be in some sort of committee. But in, in a dynasty world where we play PPR, you know, and and you know he's gonna he's we like that right. Um, yeah. And so I'm with you on 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 the Bucky love. I got him at, at RB one fifteenth overall. I don't see him probably slipping below my running back two, three, maybe four, depending on, you know, uh, how things shake out for guys like, you know, uh, on draft day for guys like Blake Corum and Jonathan Brooks and people like that. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I love me. I love me some Bucky. You, you know that. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, I wanted to go back to estimate just real quick for one second. Cause I forgot to, um, <clears throat> I've seen him comped as a less agile 
David Montgomery, as a Brian Robinson, as a Roshan Johnson? What do you think of those comps? I've seen the Brian Robinson comp, and I think he has more upside than Brian Robinson. I mean, Brian Robinson was sneaky good this year, and he was – I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty sure he was top 20 in total fantasy production. And that was not even on a good offense that was able to run the ball because they got behind so quickly. Um, I just, I think he has more upside. I didn't see Brian Robinson break as many big plays as Estime did or be as efficient. And I think maybe I, and, you know, I'm admitting there might be some homerism or domerism because I'm a golden domer, but <laughs> he, I don't think he's as unelusive as people think. Like, I think he's really quick. Maybe once he gets top speed, kind of like Bucky Irvin, he might struggle with that. But behind the line, when he's standing there, he's pretty good laterally. He's able to make some jump cuts. Mm. So I, I don't agree with that, but I respect it. And I could definitely see those comparisons. I think, if anything, he's Montgomery, but a little bit faster. As for as for Irving to the Texans, I like it. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who are who are. Um, what do the kids used to say? Shipping. Um, uh, uh, certain running backs with with Texas. A lot of people like to put Saquon Barkley there. Uh, I've seen Irving comped as like Singletary plus. Like he's got he's got the thing with with Singletary. I mean, he's definitely faster than Singletary, but but Singletary's got good good footwork. He's got quicks, yeah. um, and he can catch a ball. And Irving can do both of those and probably both of those better than yeah. than Devin Singletary. And he's faster. So I think we've seen a back like Singletary exist well in that offense. And he can too. I would like to see him <clears throat> in a little bit more of like a, uh, you know how they do like thunder lightning with running backs. I want yep. him to be light lightning plus like not just the lightning, but I also don't, I also think he needs like a thumper. I think he needs, you know, a, a, a bruiser to, to, he can't be like the, the lead back, I think in, in the backfield. Right. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of like Jalen Warren and even Tony Pollard going back to when they had Zeke. Like Pollard, he was good last year. Like he got a little too much hate, but he wasn't he didn't produce where he was drafted. And I think a lot of that is having someone else to take some of the offload off. You could even say the same about Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. I mean, Gibbs did good when Montgomery wasn't playing, but I don't know how long they could last. So I think a lot of teams are kind of employing that. And it's not bad for fantasy. Like I don't mind a committee as long as it's one A and one B and not you're on the field, kind of like Eli Mitchell. Like when McCaffrey's tired or he's got bumped up, you get a drive, and that's it. You know. All right. Um, so we haven't talked about quarterbacks yet. So I'm gonna do my quarterback take. Uh, and so I'm gonna talk about the landscape beyond the big three. Right. I think to start out, I'm gonna start out generally with the quarterback position. Right. It's so much of it has to do with between the ears and the fit with our coaching staff that we trust to put you in a good position to succeed, to develop you well, right? Um, in other words, to not do what Frank Reich and company did with, with Bryce Young this year, yeah. who, by the way, for me, is a buy. Uh, now, how you chop up the first three is interesting, right? Because uh, with the wide receivers, I can see an argument that Neighbors is in the same tier with Harrison. I can see an argument that Adunze is in the same tier with Neighbors. I don't know that I see the argument that Adunze can be in the same tier with Harrison. 
And that might be where I where I split them. With the quarterbacks, not getting into the, the pluses and minuses of all of the big three, because maybe that's a whole other show. I think you kind of have to go with the Caleb ceiling, uh, you know, with at, at 101 um, in drafts. At 102 at the latest, if you're going to put Harrison yeah. up, up at 101. Um, you, you know, because really, if you give him a competent offensive line, right, um, some of the worst stuff that he put on tape was connected to how bad USC's offensive line was. Uh, so if you give him a competent offensive line, some really solid weapons, you know, and you teach him and develop him to kind of rein it in a little bit, right? Um, you know, and take what's given to you. I think his ceiling is very big, and you kind of have to put him there. I personally have Jaden Daniels ahead of May. Um, you know, it's not a strong conviction take because it's quarterback and it's early, but I have Daniels and May after the top three wide receivers. Because I think the gap in sort of ceiling is, is is there. And I think, especially with comparing Caleb to May, and I think the solidness and really floor-ceiling combo of those three wide receivers is so juicy. Yeah, it's such an important position in Dynasty, right? Not that quarterback yeah. isn't, but you know what I mean. Now, which brings me to the take about the landscape after the first three it's really interesting because the NFL is looking for the next Brock Purdy, right? And they don't say that, but that's kind of like, you know, and when we look at what happened this year with the bad quarterback play and the injuries and how like 90 guys threw a pan or whatever in the NFL this year, having competent backups is going to be a priority for NFL teams. And they're going to draft them a little higher. Maybe we saw last year, you know, probably higher than expected draft capital for a few quarterbacks like, you know, Stetson Bennett and AOC and, you know, guys like that. Um, so when I look at after the first three, there's like, uh, I like JJ far better than I like Knicks. And it looks like the NFL, like, is thinks that, but I think somebody is going to reach and take Knicks anyway in the, in the first round, right? Um, for me personally, I would like to highlight a player named Michael Pratt. I think Michael Pratt is the best Michael P quarterback in this draft, right? Um, so I look at my quarterbacks and, you know, I've got the, I got Caleb, I've got Daniels and May in a tier. I've got McCarthy and Knicks in a tier, but I really, I really am intrigued by McCarthy being the type of guy whose intangibles get him on the field to produce in fantasy. Bo Nix definitely has good intangibles and leadership, but doesn't really throw the ball over the middle or more than 10 yards, right? So I think he's I think he's a reach. But I think he can be competent and solid. Then my I have a tier of six, seven, eight, Michael Pratt, Penix, and Rattler. So I have Pratt at the top of that tier because I would not be surprised if two years from now, Knicks or Penix or Spencer Rattler have burnt out of the league, have flamed out, and Michael Pratt is consistently our dynasty quarterback 29 to 34 
and is a high priority backup in both the NFL and in dynasty fantasy football, right? I think he's going to be a sneaky pick for an NFL team that is, you know, um, high priority backup, maybe even gets a shot at some point in his career to be a bridge guy for a year or two. Um, you know, I think quarterbacks are hard to really gauge at the senior bowl, but nothing really too bad was really said about Pratt. Uh, he's got enough athleticism at, you know, to be what the NFL needs at the position. He's, he's kind of a purdy in that he has enough of the traits of both, you know, processing arm talent and athleticism to do well with the right coach scheme and weapons. You know, I'm a, I'm a devout middler on Purdy now. I do think he improved, but I do think he is buoyed by the coach, the scheme and the weapons. And I think Pratt is kind of in that mold and is really a name that I'm intrigued by. And I want people to keep their eye on. We all know about Caleb and Jaden Daniels and Drake may. I want people to keep their eye on Michael Pratt. Yeah, I, actually agree with you 100%. I really soured on Penix as the year went on. And I, I have Pratt above him, too, just because I think he will be a professional quarterback longer than Penix will. Um, so just a quick uh, thought on the quarterbacks. I agree with you. I have McCarthy over Bo Nix. Bo Nix, Bo Nix didn't really do much in college until his senior year, and I think that was just scheme, talent around him. NIL, Oregon has a lot of money. They were able to bring in really good talent. But up until then, and maybe this is me watching every UGA game, every time he'd play a really good defense, he just looked he looked rattled, he looked shook, and his throws were just not good in those games. So I do think a lot of his uh, production this year was inflated by the offense, the scheme, play calling, everything. Um, so, yeah. But I think J.J. McCarthy and Pratt would definitely benefit taking the Jordan Love route and sitting a few years, being a backup, maybe getting a few spot starts and learning the ropes. And then by the time they're 25, 26, they can be a productive starter because Pratt's 22, McCarthy's 21. That's pretty that's pretty young for quarterback. So mm -hmm. especially McCarthy, I think McCarthy would definitely benefit from sitting behind a veteran quarterback. Yes, I hope maybe he gets Rams that chance. I really I do, do. I really do. As cringy as him meditating in front of the cameras was, I think he's a good talent. I, 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 I kind of like that. I kinda no, like, he's like, it, it gave me vibes of, oh, the cameras are on. I need to do something. To oh, get, oh, I know, see what you mean. Okay. It was performative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all a, right. But besides that, he's he's a 21-year-old kid. You know, I would have done yeah. some stupid shit like that, too. But I probably would have mm -hmm. done something worse and more offensive. So. What? I don't know. He I seems mature. Josh I Allen think, tweeted when he was 17. <laughs> I, I would not have done that. <laughs> all right but i yeah talking about tears i'm gonna move that into my last point and the more i watch tape on malik neighbors the gap gets smaller between him and marvin harrison jr than the gap between neighbors and the wide receiver three okay. Ooh, that's more fluid i have it as thomas right now but i think there are there is an argument to be made that neighbors is in the same tier now i have caleb williams one i think you're getting cute if you don't and then Marvin Harrison. And then if I have three quarterbacks, like a lot of my startups I did this year, I drafted four starting quarterbacks, so I wouldn't get completely screwed by that. I might take neighbors over uh, Jaden Daniels at the third overall, depending on team build. If I, if I want a quarterback, I'll take Daniels. But when I first started looking at this, I didn't think that was going to be the case. And, I mean, I think neighbors is a real deal. He comes out of college with a good size, six foot, 200 pounds. 
And I found this interesting. He made Bruce Feldman's 2023 freaks list at number 33. And uh, Bruce Feldman wrote the six foot, 201 pound junior measured it. Uh, oh, I got that part out. He's got reactive strength. They essentially describe neighbor's ability to, com- to complete his vertical jump at a very fast rate. So along with having a vertical jump of almost 40 inches, he can get there. Like he's more explosive and he can reach that height faster than anyone else, which is huge for a wide receiver who can time, time the ball well and go up and get it. And uh, on a power clean, this is some really, this is some really like analytical stuff. He produced <laughs> 2,700 Watts peak power on a power clean, which is remarkable for a skill player. So I think he's got strength. He's got elite athletic genes in his body and I, Running routes, he's seamless, shifts gears, stops and goes really quick. And he's kind of got, at least to me, he's got a strong lower body with the power clean. And I think he's got a little bit of Debo Samuel in him to where he's not going to be easy to bring down. He'll run through weak tackles and he'll juke out bigger players. So I think he's going to be elite. Uh, I think he can push up there in the Amon Ra, CD Lamb, once he gets a year under his belt as being a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. But I still think Marvin Harrison Jr. is more polished so i could understand him being in the same tier but i don't have it there yet but it's getting very close i heard somebody compare his lower half um to jamar chase's lower half another lsu guy yeah i saw that cop too and i also saw somebody kind of make me think about i'm not saying that marvin harrison is the obsolete type of big boundary guy <laughs> that could be true for a guy like um, Keon Coleman, Leggett, uh, Devontae Walker, you know, um, right. But when we think about the way the NFL is played today, which is a topic that's come up a lot tonight, would we be surprised if a year from now neighbors is the guy we want ahead of, Marvin Harrison Jr., I would not be surprised at all. I don't know that I have them ranked that way yet, but I would not be surprised. Um, You know, when we think about, not that Marvin Harrison is unathletic or not fast, but when we think about the way that Neighbors wins, when we think about the yak, when we think about the way things move in the NFL today, would not be surprised if Neighbors ends up above Marvin Harrison by this time next year. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree that the gap is, is probably smaller than, than something, you know, than some teams, uh, than some teams think, you know, or some, you know, managed dynasty managers think. Yeah. Um, all right. So my last point is going to be about tight ends. We haven't talked too much about, about tight ends. You know, it's a down class this year, uh, especially compared to, to last year. Obviously, we have a guy like Bowers. Now, Bowers, again, we could do a whole other episode on on Bowers. And um, But if, if I just wanted to throw a couple names out there for people to keep their eye on, in a down class, you got to look for where the possible you know diamonds in the rough or the gems are. People have probably heard about JT Sanders, Jatavian Sanders, certainly uh, some, some dynasty fantasy football upside there. I want people to keep their eye on Ben Sinnott. Uh, from Kansas State, uh, the possibility of him being used as a fullback in the NFL 
would dampen his his fantasy output. But if a team really wants to use him the way he's been used, I definitely see some upside there. Theo Johnson, um, hampered by the Penn State offense, but I think big and athletic enough and competent enough as a receiver and blocker. I think the same can probably be said for Cade Stover uh, out of Ohio State. And I think I want to also just put on people's radar uh, Jared Wiley, a Texas transfer to TCU, who is definitely not a blocking guy. But as we've seen in the NFL, that doesn't have to matter as much as it used to. I think after that, it's pretty bleak. Uh, Jaheim Bell is kind of a tweener who is kind of an H-back. And Dallin Holker out of Colorado State definitely has some stuff to like, but has some stuff to dislike. Uh, Brevin Span Ford out of Minnesota is big, but he's he's developmental as a receiver. Uh, and really, the other guys, I just don't really see much point in, in even highlighting, you know, a guy like Eric All or A.J. Barner. Or I just, you know, they were at the Senior Bowl. They're fine. They're going to be drafted by an NFL team. There'll be some teams tied in two or three, but I don't see them really uh, making a mark in fantasy. So I wanted to just put on the radar a few names like Sinnott, Stover, Theo Johnson, and Wiley for people to keep an eye on because, you know, it's it's two tight ends. And then who else? Those could be the who else. Yeah. Yeah. I, tight ends the one class or the one position I haven't looked as much into. And part of the reason is because there's not as many guys to look at, so it won't take me as long to do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think you highlighted a name that I've been taking in the fourth and even fifth rounds of rookie drafts when there's no receivers or running backs I like, and that's Theo Johnson. I like him a lot. And I, I want to like Jaheim Bell, but he's a little undersized at 6'1". When Cade Stover comes in at 6'4", 250, and can run a 4'5", same as Jatavian Sanders. I think Cade Stover's should be a little closer to Jatavian Sanders than he is because watching some of the Ohio State games, he – he was always the go-to guy. He seemed to always get first downs and be a really reliable target, especially over Yeah, and they used the tight end a little more this year than they have in the mm-hmm. past. It, yeah, it they used, did. It used to be like Ohio State tight end was like Michigan wide receiver. <laughs> you know, it's like they don't use them. You know, we got, we got to see what they can do in the NFL. But So uh, Harrison uh, wants us to run a 14-team Superflex Dynasty mock. Uh, and, um, bro, we're already uh, an hour and 10 minutes in. But um, let's just talk about, like, just like a, a first round of top 14 guys quickly. Uh, you want to go first I'll go, and do odds and, or I'll, I'll do uh, What do you want to do? We're doing rookies or just rookies? Yeah, rook, I think, I think yeah. that's what he meant. Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah. I can, we can do a first round real quick. I'm fine with that. All right. Uh, I got, you know, I'll take Caleb. All right. Uh, yeah. Marvin Harrison jr. I think this is where, for me. this is where it gets interesting. Um, I'll do neighbors. I'll take neighbors still above the quarterbacks. All right. Well, if you're going to do that, then I'll take Jaden Daniels. Cause that's like I said earlier, that's three and four. If I have three, yeah. depending on my team build, if I got three starting quarterbacks already, I might take neighbors and just hope, like you said, he's the top six or seven dynasty wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, uh, I do have Daniels over me. I'm going to take i I'm going to take a Dunze. All right. I'll take uh Drake May then. Cause I, think he's getting slept on a little. I think he's going to be good. That's six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're going to assume tight end premium, and I'll go mm-hmm. Bowers. In a 14-teamer, he might get pushed up. Or if the premium is .75 or full point, 
he's going to get pushed up. Uh, but for now, you know, I'll just say I'll say Bowers at seven. Yeah, I consider Bowers, but being super flex, uh, the fact that Drake May could be a starter pretty early, I'm, I think I'm still going to go there just because I've been burned by quarterbacks. And here's where it gets really interesting, right? Because I think no matter – I didn't say no matter what, but most people, we have a, a mega tier of seven. We may have little tiers, uh, on, you know, within that, but we've got that mega tier of those seven guys for the most part. I mean, I think, Josh, you know, you have Franklin above Adunze. And then it yeah. starts to get interesting when you're in mocks after after seven. So who's uh, who's your pick at eight? Uh, you did take Adunze, but even then, I'm just going straight down my rankings here. I'm going to go Brian Thomas Jr. Okay. Uh, I have him just one spot above Franklin. So it's kind of a coin flip between him and Franklin there because I'm kind of undecided on those two. At pick nine, I'll go with Xavier Worthy. I think people got a little down on him. I think he's fast and quick. And I think the uh, the size and play strength isn't going to be a huge issue if we in today's NFL we get him on a right team. He's going to beat dudes short. He's going to beat dudes deep. He's going to. And I I really see it. Yeah. Really, you know, I like he could be like a like with Jalen, like an Alabama Jamison Williams, or not how Detroit's using him. Uh, he could be you know uh, Jalen Waddle. You know he could be Deshaun Jackson. That's what like, I was thinking. There's, there's things in his game that like I really love the explosiveness. So I'll go worthy, and I guess I'll let you take Troy Franklin. Yeah, yeah, I'll take Troy Franklin. But I have those three: uh, Worthy, Franklin, and Thomas back three back to back. So you can't really go wrong with either of those three at the end of the first. So we've we've done ten already, right? Yep. Uh, at eleven, I will take. Uh, I'll take run LMC. I'll take Lad McConkey. All right, I'll take JJ McCarthy. Let's get a quarter, another quarterback at, towards the end of the first. Okay, all right. I will go with uh, Adnai Mitchell uh, at thirteen. Um, he's he's the Audric Estime for me of of running backs in a way. Like, is he going to be a big? that I doubt, like I doubt Leggett and Coleman, or is he going to be a big that I feel kind of safe about, like I do like Brian Thomas and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Adunze? Yeah. No, I agree. So next one I'll go with the big guy you just discussed, Keon Coleman. I know uh, I saw Jeff in the chat. I know Jeff looking at the rankings is pretty high on Keon Coleman. Uh, I haven't really watched too much of his tape. But yeah, I'll go Keon Coleman at the, uh, I guess, the last pick of the first round. Is that 14? I think so. Yeah, because, yeah, in my top 14. I took McCarthy 12, yeah. Yeah, Keon would have replaced Roman Wilson in my top 14. So there you go. Yeah, there's 14 for you. I I don't know that we're going to sit here and do four rounds of a 14-teamer for you, but that's kind of how we see it. Uh, It's it's generally in the the neighborhood of consensus without – the information that we still need with combine and draft capital and landing spot and all that. But uh, yeah, I think, I think McCarthy's going to bleed up in there into the late first. If somebody takes him in the first round in the NFL draft, I'm hoping a team trades up into the late first to get the fifth year option for him and wants to put him behind a team uh, behind uh, their starter. Um, or if he gets taken like at 19 by the Rams, I would like that behind yeah. Stafford. But if like Denver takes him at twelve and tries to make him their starter this year, he's I think gonna be overpriced simply because well he's a first round quarterback. We have to love first round quarterbacks. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I guess there's some kind of football game tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. I, uh, I got a confession. Yeah. I'm playing. Maybe I shouldn't say this on a fantasy football podcast, but I'm going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons tomorrow night while I watch the Super Bowl. So I haven't done any prop bets or DFS yet. I probably will tomorrow because I'm kind of a degenerate about that. But I'm not going to be paying as much attention as I normally do. I just hope the Chiefs win so I can say Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. So I don't know if you saw my tweet, but it was um, MAGA's turning me into a Swifty is the ultimate we love players. Not uh, We don't hate players. We hate prices. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking like Taylor Swift at all. Her music is trash. Like, I, and I think, you know, and I don't generally don't like pop icons and mainstream pop culture and people that get worshipped like that. I generally am like, ew. But when the magas hate you, then I start to like you. Then then you become more intriguing. Then now you're a value. Now you're a buy. <laughs> you're a buy. Uh, and so yeah, I would love uh Taylor Swift to be on the field uh in a Chiefs victory. Not because I like the Chiefs, but just because tr- the the trolls will uh will will hate it. Um but yeah, you know, uh, I don't really watch much of the Super Bowl last years, few years. It, doesn't have a huge impact on fantasy really and it's more of a show and they do the you know for me personally the dumb military stuff and this year fucking robert Kraft is gonna have those anti you know stop anti-semitism ads which you know we think oh that's a good thing but when you look at the organizations behind it and the definition of anti-semitism is it's so fucking wide you could drive a truck through it no i don't want to see that bullshit uh, so I won't be keeping too big an eye on it either. Um, you know, I'll eat some good food. I'll probably, you know, I'll have a nap before, but probably not during. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have it on. I'll go back and I like going back and watching, uh, YouTube videos or compilations of the commercials. Cause I do enjoy some of the commercials they put on. They're funny. They're creative. So I'll, that's usually what I do. I'll go back, watch videos of highlights of the game and then go back and watch all the commercials. Remember when commercials used to be a big deal? Like what what yeah, is Super commercials going to be this year? Yeah. It's, it's not what it used it to be. It doesn't seem to be as big, but I still enjoy them. Yeah. All right, y'all, if we haven't gotten canceled by now uh, with my military and anti-Semitism rant, um, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe we will by, by next week. Uh, sorry, Jeff. Uh, all right, time to uh, <laughs> land the plane. Time for plugs. Josh, tell us about you and your work. Uh, yeah, so you can find me tweeting uh, at Rotonaut, R-O-T-O-N-A-U-T. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Posting on X. <laughs> Posting on X. Look. But yeah, you can find me. Baseball season's coming up. I'll be tweeting about some baseball. I'm about to start my first few drafts in the next few weeks. Uh, I just actually just published an update of my rookie rankings. I've only done super flex for now because that's all I play, but I'm going to go through and do one quarterback. Just make sure that's set. You can find all that at goingfor2.com. Uh, me and Brian have a channel in the Discord. So if you want to ask us any Dynasty related questions or want to push back on some of our takes, that's a good place to do it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All right. You can find me on Twitter at FFJunkie underscore. Also, do a midweek audio only podcast called Dynasty Fever at Dynasty Fever Pod on Twitter, articles and rankings up at goingfor2.com. We rolled over our Dynasty rankings. So all the tinkering that I was doing between January 8th and like two days ago, (laughs) it's not showing up. (laughs) 
but uh, but yeah, you can see you can. We rolled over the dynasty rankings. You see that. Obviously, we have the rookie rankings up as well on the site. Uh, as uh, as Josh mentioned, we have a really cool Discord. You can go to goingfor2.com and the bottom right, get the purple thingy to join the the Discord. You know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got a pretty much a show for you every day or night of the week, especially as things uh, you know get get busy with uh, draft and, and and training camp and things like that. So, uh, yeah, everybody have a have a great uh, Super Bowl Sunday and whatever it is that you're that you're doing. Um, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Go Irish. Be Audrey. safe tomorrow. <laughs> Audric Estime. RB1 in the class.